Welcome, everyone, to Rocket Nation Podcast. My name is Sam Snelling. I am your host. With me is Nate Edwards, Brandon Kylie, and we have breaking news. Uh, the Missouri Tigers football program has reached an agreement uh, to hire Aliyah Drinkwitz, the Appalachian State head coach, uh, former offensive coordinator uh, of NC State, and uh, also spent some time under Gus Malzahn. So pretty, pretty nice lineage. Um, very exciting that the, the news broke on a Sunday night when I was knee-deep in leaves in my backyard. But here we are. Uh, gentlemen, how are you both? Uh, better? Better. Better than last <laughs> week. <laughs> BK, I'm you're good? good? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy with the hire. Your Chiefs I got a win tonight. Inspired hire. <laughs> they did. The Chiefs got a win in a game that was the Chiefs only play weird games, and so of course tonight was a weird game. Um, it, I, I'm happy with the hire, man. I'm sure we'll get more into it, but he checks a lot of the boxes that you were hoping for. He is just just risky enough that a program like Mizzou can still get him. Because had he done this for the next two or three years at Appalachian State, I don't think he would have been an mm. option for Mizzou. So. Um, there's a, I think there's a lot to like about the hire. I think there is certainly some reasons to be um, cautiously optimistic about the hire, but I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that over the next however long we're doing this. Well, so you guys podcasted together on Thursday night, and that was sort of like right in the midst of when everything was sort of seemingly kind of falling apart around the coaching search. Um I wrote something Thursday night that was pretty critical of Jim Sterk and the way he had kind of handled all this. And I think the criticisms were still warranted at the time. Um, it was really kind of ugly. And I also, like, I, I probably should have been more critical of whoever leaked that information because uh, that just was a bad look for Missouri. Um, but for, for Sterk to kind of pivot in the way that he did and land... Um, like you said, it's a risky hire. Uh, the way I look at it is this is a, a high risk, high reward kind of thing where if it hits, I think it's going to hit huge. Um, whereas I think all the, the three names that were kind of floated towards the end of last week were all very safe. Uh, guys that were probably going to be okay, maybe seven, eight wins and, and kind of keep you in that range. But, but Drinkwitz kind of strikes me as a guy this is either going to be a boom or bust. Like he's either going to knock it out of the park or it could all end badly. Um, so I, I know that we're, we're kind of look, trying to look into the future, but I, I want to quickly sort of at least give a little credit to, uh, to Jim Sterk and how he was able to kind of turn uh, the tables on this, so to speak, <laughs> and take what was a very ugly, messy situation uh, that became very public uh, and still managed to go out and get who I think is a candidate that um, that is a a uh, I, you know they were kind of talking about winning the press conference. Uh, I think this is something that can really win the press conference. But I also think uh, it's it's the kind of hire that a, a lot of Mizzou fans and a lot of sort of the passionate football fans were looking for, and one that could maybe. Uh, sort of set the table for the next three or four years and kind of get Missouri into, you know, like out of the funk of mediocrity, maybe. When Jim Sterk retires and the, he does his little tell-all of uh, his tenure at Missouri, I'm really curious. It's going to be fascinating. I'm really, <laughs> really curious to hear his version of these events because what changed? I don't think we magically got more money to spend. I don't think um, I, I find it really hard to believe that he said, "Well, I never thought of Coach Drink, but I'll ask him now." Oh, he's cool. All right, let's do it. Okay, now we're like I kind of have a feeling that he was already talking to him. So it's like, why was that name not on the list, um, or was this this leaker, you know, full of crap? Like I don't like I want to know what happened because something changed. Some piece of information has changed where. We could get this guy now, and he wasn't even on the table three days ago. Um, so I'm just I'm really curious as to as to what happened there. And as far as the hire itself, 
Yeah. Um, I am. I am just too damn antisocial for my own good. Everyone's feeling good about it, so I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's hold on. Um, and I think one of the things that's kind of coming to my mind right now is that we knew that if Barry stuck around next year, he'd probably have six wins, five, six, seven wins. Now we don't know what we're going to get. It could be two. It could be 10. Who knows? It could even be 12. Like, I mean, I think that's kind of the the pitch and it feels more like, you know, we chased Barry out because we didn't want Barry around. And I, I'm glad we're all feeling good about this hire. Trust me with the, with the mentions at, on Twitter, I'm glad that we feel good about this one. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not totally sure if you rewind the clock 10 days ago and say, Hey, we're going to fire Barry Odom and hire Elia Drinkwitz. I don't think the fan base would be as happy as it is today. Oh, I, I actually disagree with that. Um, I do think this is, this is an inspired hire, man. Like, um, I don't know if it's going to work. I have no idea, but this is a guy that's been an offensive coordinator for three years at a power five job and a power conference, like at the ACC with NC state. He's been around, I mean, maybe the thing that most Mizzou fans are probably going to kind of latch on to the most is the coaches that he's coached under. Working in radio, one of the things that's kind of weird but interesting to me is always kind of like the people that you've worked with, right? So, like, there are certain people that have risen up within the industry that have worked with really interesting other people. That's kind of how it is for Drinkwitz. Like, he got his start at a high school coaching under Gus Malzahn. And he just happened to be there at the right time and then went to Auburn with Gus Malzahn, went to Arkansas State with Gus Malzahn, where he met Brian Harson, and then Brian Harson made him his OC at Arkansas State and then brought him with him to Boise and became the offensive coordinator at Boise. And then he's coaching under Dave Doran over at NC State and then finally gets his opportunity to be the head coach. Like, this guy has lived a really in- interesting coaching life, and he's been doing this for less than 15 years. So... I think that's really interesting. I think the fact that he's only 36 years old is really interesting to me. I think the fact that he had a really successful season, and I, I kind of get into this in my piece that I'm writing right now for Rocket Nation, he was 12-1 and this year at Appalachian State, and it wasn't a fluky 12-1. and He beat South Carolina at South Carolina, and he beat North Carolina at North Carolina. It was their first Power 5 win when they beat North Carolina since the 07 game against Michigan, And then they did it again by beating a better team in South Carolina. So this was a really impressive coaching job that he had at Appalachian State as the head coach, where, by the way, he was also the play caller this season. So he wasn't overwhelmed by the job of being the head coach and added on the added kind of um, the, the added responsibility of being the play caller. I think he's a really interesting guy, and I have no idea if it works. I want to make that very clear because there are certainly ways that this doesn't work, but a lot of what's in his past makes him a really good candidate, and that's why I kind of like the way that they went with this. So I just, again, let me let me crap all over your parade here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. That's great. So um, the, the App- Appalachian State this year had the 22nd most returning experience. They had 87% of the 2018 offense returning and 61% of their 2018 defense returning. That is good for a 74% production return. Again, 22nd best amongst the entire country. Mm -hmm. The entire country. Um, Appalachian State, as a program, um, if you go back to when SP Plus started back in 2005, if you take the top Sunbelt teams of all time of the past 14 years. Appalachian State has been in the Sunbelt for five years. Four Appalachian State teams have been the best Sunbelt team in SP Plus history. That's a two thousand. They've thousand, been in it for four years. <laughs> four years. Whatever. Okay, there you go. 2017. Which is amazing. Just got it to your point. Yeah. So 2017 was the sixth best. 2015 was the third best. 2016 was the second best. 2001 Appalachian State was the, is the best Sunbelt team 2005 to 2018. So, look, Eli Drinkwitz had to take the job, and he had to not screw it up. And he absolutely did. He absolutely got them 12 wins, one loss to a 
Georgia Southern, which, again, triple option team, these things happen, won the Sun Belt, <laughs> beat Billy Napier, the apple of my eye, um, <laughs> in the in the Sun Belt Championship. He did all of that. He did all of that with a program that is leaps and bounds better than anybody else in his conference. And the Power Five pelts that he got was North Carolina under Mac Brown and South Carolina, which can only beat Georgia, and that's it. So, I, again, I mean, his, his accomplishments are his accomplishments. You can't take them away. But adding context to it kind of makes you feel like this is still a first-time head coach. Okay, he recruited for one offseason at App State. He got the 100th best class. He's done some recruiting throughout this year. He took, again, a senior-heavy offense, and they were awesome. And he took a senior-heavy defense with a veteran defensive coordinator, and they were awesome. But you almost could have put anybody in that position, and they would have done you know, plus or minus one win as well as he did. So you know, tip of the cap to everything that he did. It didn't really show anything about program building. It didn't really show anything about program management. I mean, he just kind of came in, and here we are, and now he's gone. Um, so there are still going to be aspects about the head coaching position that I'm going to have concerns about that makes it feel like it's still kind of a coordinator to head coach straight move, even with that one-year stop of being the head man. Well, I think that's certainly the, the you know the drawback. And when you're – Whenever you're sort of like breaking down the candidates, uh, and we all knew that that you know Stirk from the outset was kind of saying how much he wanted, he he wanted somebody with head coaching experience, and um, and I think there was some sort of skepticism throughout the media. I sort of read several national guys who sort of pointed to the fact that you know the SEC in large part really hasn't done a lot of hiring of uh, head coaches. Um, from you know other stops of being a head coach, they they tend to kind of bring in coordinators and 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 people that are already familiar with the SEC. Uh, and so when you sort of looked at like the candidate pool that was before, uh, I mean I initially sort of discounted Drinkwitz because he only had the one year and because he was taking over a program that was so strong and the guy that was sort of responsible for building up a lot of like what Appalachian state was, was actually at Louisville. Um, and so I'm like, well, well, you know, maybe what'll happen is, uh, is, you know, is Drinkwitz will pop on a radar, but he'll end up staying at app state and just kind of being there for a few more years, just to kind of see the seasoning before he actually, you know, makes the jump. Um, but Missouri obviously felt the need to, I guess, be a little more risky and a little more, um, I'm trying to think of the, <laughs> the word, I mean, but essentially like to, to go out a little bit more on a limb uh, than they were with, with guys like, you know, Blake Anderson, um, you know, or, or Skip Holtz, guys that, uh, like we said, could, could have been fine. Um, and might have been even good, but uh, certainly, certainly weren't going to excite a lot of the more vocal portions of the fan base. I, and I think I think yeah. that's maybe what what when we when we talk about like the fan base, there is a very vocal portion of it, right? Yes, that, that, that we see on Twitter, <laughs> uh, Facebook, in the comment sections at Rock'em Nation. Um, you know, where maybe like the. Or, or you know, folks that are emailing us. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Um, Continue to email us. We love it. <laughs> yeah, like it. Uh, there's people that actually make really good points sometimes. They do. They uh, do. You know, when they email, I'm just like, why don't you just put that in a comment? Because that's actually really smart. So, uh, but yeah, so like we read all like the the vocal fan base, but we don't necessarily know what like you know the average fan who isn't you know spending all of his life you know reading everything he can on on twitter and facebook um what they're thinking is is this the kind of hire that that's going to inspire them um you know obviously more so than than maybe the guys that we were talking about before i think maybe um i I think this is the type of hire that it kind of has a little bit of everything a little bit of something for everybody right so 
I think kind of going back to where we started with all of this, Sam, you were kind of laying out how we got here, right? And, oh, my God, if you told me that this was the way that it was going to end after Thursday, what had happened that day, it would have been impossible, right? It, it would have been impossible to even be – to think that it, we got here this quickly. I think one thing that I would kind of add to all of this, though, is I wonder if, given the list that we saw on Thursday, I wonder if Sterk had a very clear – image in his mind of what he wanted in a head coach right he wanted a guy that had been a head coach and been an established head coach and a guy that had an offensive background I think we know now based on reporting that has been done he definitely wanted the offensive background and that certainly applies here with Drinkwitz and he wanted a head coach I think maybe we didn't give enough credit to the head coach part of that right we were looking at all the offense and we didn't think about okay what about not just being a head coach, having done the job? This is kind of to Nate's point from earlier. Not just being a head coach for a year, but having been established, building a program, being able to do it over three, four, five, six, seven years. When you're able to do that, that's when you know that the guy can actually do the job well and continue to be consistent at it. This is a little different than that. And that's kind of what Nate was getting at earlier, I think, of, Okay, you've seen him do it once, but he didn't really do it for even a full year. He did it for a season. And so you don't know what his offseason was going to look like. You don't know what the recruiting classes moving forward would have been. You don't know what the program actually looks like when he has his hands on every piece of it for the long term. The program today at Mizzou looks a lot different than the program did in Barry Odom's first year as a head coach here. So you don't know what that would have looked like moving forward. And so I think those are all important things to consider. And I wonder if that's what changed. I wonder if what changed was the board of curators basically went to um, Jim Sterk and said something to the effect of, listen, we understand this is your criteria. These names aren't good enough. And he said to himself, probably, "Okay, well, if these names aren't good enough, then what I'm going to have to do is change a little bit of my criteria. I can't be looking for an established head coach because all of the established head coaches that I can get look like Blake Anderson, look like Jeff Norvell look like Skip Holtz. And so this is going to be riskier. And if you guys are cool with that, great. But that means that I'm going to go with a guy like Drinkwitz. And I think that's how we got here is the criteria changed. I think instead of needing the established head coach, they just needed somebody who had done the job, even if it was only for a year. Well, I mean, it's it's just buying stock mm-hmm. early. You know, this is this is not jumping in after – you know, Apple, you know, comes out with the iMac. This is like, <laughs> oh, we're we're jumping in at ground level. Um, you know, again, you know, Coach Drink, he has not been at part at any point of creating a culture or establishing a program. All of his stops have been at schools that have it together. Um, you know, you can argue Arkansas State, but that is more of a program that just <laughs> survives on hiring coach to coach to coach to coach before they got to Blake Anderson, uh, and he was only there for a year. Boise, established. North Carolina State, he came in in the fourth year under under Dave Doran. Um, you know, and then App State, you know, maybe, you know, he walks into a good culture, a good program, and then he leaves. Um, so I think – I think you're right. I think it's like, okay, so he's got the offensive background. Check. He has head coaching experience. Like I said in my piece, technically, yeah, he has been a head coach for a specific amount of time for at least a year. Um, I'm really curious as to the staff that he brings, how much of his Appalachian State staff he brings with them. Um, I know there were a handful of guys left over once Satterfield left. Um, I, I don't know if he would take them with him. Ted Roof uh, has been a good defensive coordinator in the past, certainly not highly regarded now. Does he come with uh, with drink, or does he get somebody new? He's going to have to hire an offensive coordinator. You cannot be head coach in OC in the SEC. I'm sorry. Um, so who is he going to hire there? What kind of offense is he going to let him run? Um, is he going to be you know in the weeds with the offense like Odom was with the defense in the beginning of his years? Um, or is he going to be able to be kind of a, a team manager, a CEO that lets – uh, his coordinators do what they need to do with with the guidance that he provides. Um, you know, we we haven't seen him do that because he didn't even do that at Appalachian State because he was wearing both hats. Um, so there's there's going to be some changes, and you know, I think Sterk is absolutely saying, look, this kid is has done well. He's had some really interesting offenses. He just you know kept the Appalachian State boat afloat, got him to the Sun Belt Championship, got him to win it. Um, he seems legit, and I'm not. I'm not saying Sterk is wrong, like at all, 
at all. I think he's absolutely right. Buying low on a guy like this, even though we don't know what the returns are going to be, is a, is a good move. It's a good move for a Missouri program that has just found itself stuck in the middle uh, or the middle bottom for the past couple of years. The thing is, is that, again, we don't know what this win total is going to look like. Um, and I think, but uh, yeah, I'll also say, I think next year is not going to be good. And it's going to lead to a lot of people clamoring for Barry to come back. <laughs> so um, I think it's going to be rough. I, it's not. It's certainly not an instant improvement. Just uh, add Eli, win eight, nine, ten games. I don't think it's going to be that. Uh, but I, I certainly agree with the move. Well, so let's talk about uh, you know the kind of the culture that that Barry was able to establish. And I think when you sort of look at the locker room and you look at uh, you know the player buy-in, at least outwardly. Yeah, I don't know if it, was uh, it appeared to be there. So right now, I think there, I think there was a point in time when that well, was absolutely the case, no question about it. They had marching bands, BK marching <laughs> bands. There was a time <laughs> that equals there was ten a time wins. When I am one hundred percent with you, Sam, and that time was basically the first three and a half years. Something changed this year. The first year, the locker room was a mess under Barry Odom. It wasn't his fault. He the, he had to fix that. Um, second, third years, yeah. it got a lot better under him. This year, it got bad again. Um, and so I, I don't know what that would have looked like next season. I, I don't know if it would have been better. I don't know if it would have been worse. I don't know if it would have stayed flat. I don't know. But I know that there was a time when you're absolutely correct. He was really good with the culture in the locker room. That time was not this season. Well, but there, there was still a lot of, uh, you know, players who are very vocal um, about about Odom and, and him staying and all that kind of stuff, uh, including recruits as well. Uh, so Drinkwitz coming in, we don't really know what his staff is going to look like. Uh, are there any, any members of the current coaching staff that you think are important for him to retain? Is this something that you think, you know, the the locker room sort of got away from Odom enough that maybe you come in and clear uh, and clean house completely or, or, you know, do you think there's maybe three or four assistants that it might be in, you know, the best uh, interest of Drinkwitz to, to sort of bring back? I, if you are looking at this current staff, so Dooley and Walters, Andy Hale, Cornell Ford, uh, Garrick McGee, AJ, Ophodile, Ophodile, <laughs> whatever. Brad Davis, Brick Haley, Vernon Hargraves, David Gibbs. Um, I, feel, I feel like we can say that uh, I feel safe in assuming that yeah. Derek Dooley will not be returning yeah. as offensive Bye-bye. coordinator. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Go back to the NFL. Um, I, I, It might just be Cornell Ford and that's it. I wouldn't Maybe be surprised Vernon by Brick Haley possibly. I wouldn't be yeah. stunned. I, I don't have. This is a hundred percent speculation on my behalf. I'm, I'm not. This is not reporting on, in, in any way. I know he's well liked within the community. Right. I think that the guys seem to like him. Brick Haley would be a name that I would throw out as a content, contender to potentially stay on the staff. I don't think anybody on the offensive side of the ball will be back. Maybe, maybe Cornell Ford. I mean, maybe, but he, he Brick, could even you know, move back and, to the defense. Honestly. Well, I mean, you know, Brick Haley comes in two years. He's the senior associate head coach, mm-hmm. so obviously he's got some clout. So yeah, I could I could see that. I think Cornell Ford you keep for the St. Louis recruiting because he seems to have finally made some really good inroads there, and Coach Drink is going to need to keep that up. But really, I mean, I know everybody loves Andy Hill. It might be a retirement season for him. Ryan Walters is young enough; he's probably going to want to bail. Uh, go somewhere where he can get some success, you know, move up the chain if he wants to be HC. You know, really everybody else, Garrick McGee is a former head coach. Um, Brad Davis, this offensive line just collapsed. So, yeah, no, I don't need <laughs> I don't need you around anymore. And, of course, David Gibbs, bye-bye. Uh, but that's that's a personal thing. That is not professional at all. I just don't like the guy. So, um, yeah, I'd say the entire offense except for Cornell Ford and bring back Brick, bring back Vernon possibly, and I don't care past that. Well, so, I mean, the, the reason I'm kind of curious about it, because I know that there are uh, specifically um, Jay Macklin and uh, 
and JJ Hester, who are uh, you know two of the top what three or four recruits in the class, uh, maybe five. Um, Hester was you know clearly the you know the top rated recruit. I think Macklin was like three or four, uh, and this is before like all the decommitments. Um, you know, which I think Jalen St. John was like the second highest. Um, so both those guys really spoke highly about McGee. And so a guy with that much experience coaching wide receivers, obviously the receivers, uh, you know, a couple receivers and Knox and, uh, I just forgot the kid's name, Cam Scott. Um, both those guys look like they kind of regressed this past year, which isn't a great sign for a coach. But I mean, is is the uh, the recruiting relationships that he built enough to kind of keep him around uh, in hopes to kind of be able to build off that continuity? Real quick, real quick, the current wide receivers coach at App State, yeah. Pat Washington, former Missouri wide receiver coach from 2013 to 2015. Continue. <laughs> Oh well, I, I don't I don't need to continue because that was uh that was my question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that is that is interesting. Uh, so yeah, I mean I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, is building off that continuity something that uh, we think is is valuable enough, or, or are we just gonna say okay, drink, uh, you know, come in and get your guys and hope for the best? So I'll, I'll just say for for me, my philosophy. Just like BK specifically, but both of us on the podcast last Thursday, if you hire Jim Sterk, let Jim Sterk do his job. Similarly, if I am Jim Sterk, if I am hiring Elijah Drinkwitz to run my football program, let him run his football program. If that means that he interviews all the assistants at Mizzou and keeps all of them or none of them or one of them or two of them, cool, do that. If it means he doesn't interview them at all, and say, hey, guys, I'm bringing in my boys. You all got to find a new job. I'm fine with that because you have talked to him, hopefully extensively. You know his recruiting plan. You know his staffing plan. You know how he manages his team, how he manages his staff. You know what he wants to do, and you went, cool, I'm good with it. Let's do it. So, I mean, to me, it's not really an issue. I, I want, me personally, I would want Coach Drink to do what he wants to do. I tend to agree. I would like to see what the names are on his list. Like, who who's he want to bring in? And if they have ties to this region or if they have shown to be good recruiters in the past, like, do what you got to do, right? That That's that's your job. Um, if they are guys that maybe would have been good candidates at App State, but maybe with Mizzou's money that they're able to throw at some of these positions, they're not quite the types of hires that Mizzou would typically make. Maybe that's a situation where Jim Sterk steps in and says, hey, I actually have this relationship with so-and-so. I'd like to introduce you guys, see if this maybe would be a fit before we go in that direction. I don't think this is, this is a situation where Jim Sterk should state to um, drink if he's going to hire somebody. Like it, it shouldn't be that type of a relationship between the two. That's not good for anybody. But I think it is healthy for Jim Sterk to say, hey, listen, this guy would have been a great candidate at the group of five level. We typically don't go that route. We would rather go with X, Y, and Z. I want to introduce you to them. And then if you like them, great. If not, we can go with your route the way that you wanted to previously. So that that's kind of how I see this going. So, one of, you know, you never keep a head coach around for the recruits. You absolutely do that with assistant coaches. And that's crappy for the kid, but that's just the business. Um, I actually misspoke. I thought that he, uh, Coach Trink had kept some Satterfield uh, coaches on staff. He did not. Everybody who's on this staff this year was somewhere else the year prior. Um, so it, you got I th- Garrett Riley is a name that kind of pops out to me. I think he was at Kansas for a couple of years. He probably knows Texas decently well. Pat Washington knows kind of the Missouri recruiting footprint a little bit. By the way, Garrett Riley, if you recognize the last name, that is because it is Lincoln Riley's brother, correct? Yeah. It is. It is. It is. Um, so, I mean, you got a couple guys on here. But, um, yeah, you want someone with some Texas recruiting ties, someone with, you know, they, obviously they've all recruited the Eastern Seaboard, but you really want to make sure you get into the Southeast as well. Um, 
So yeah, that's you almost kind of sacrifice your staff. You know, you might make a um, like a wide receivers coach, a recruiting coordinator, or like a a, a DB, a cornerback coach, a recruiting coordinator, because like okay, we can fold that in somewhere else um, and and carry the load while this guy just brings in all these great kids. So yeah, I'm curious what his list looks like and what he wants to do, but I would hope that he does bring in some ace recruiters for the turf that we come from because we it would be nice to raise the profile and this kid this guy's young enough and exciting enough that he could do that well that is something that's kind of interesting to me i mean you you mentioned the southeast and and i think one of the things that uh that really kind of set the program back and it's uh you know the the early days of barry odom's tenure was was gary pinkle's decision to kind of shift a lot of their recruiting to the southeast um and kind of move away from texas uh so when it comes to like you know recruiting how much how much of a focus is is missouri i mean obviously you want to keep your top in-state guys at at the university of missouri uh even barry odom he's had some breakthroughs uh in the st louis area which is more than we could say for you know some uh some years in the past um but he still was missing on on you know three of the top four players out of St. Louis. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Illinois is a problem there because of, uh, you know, Coach Patterson, who was previously at Trinity, has a really good relationship, um, you know, with a lot of the, you know, the, the coaches in and around that area. Um, so that's going to play a factor. But anytime you have a guy that's like a high four-star, a five-star level kid, that's always going to attract the best schools they're always going to have ohio state uh texas uh, alabama um you know georgia coming in and 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 looking at these kids uh you know texas a&m uh so so what is what is it going to take for um you know is the youth enough is uh is is somebody that's a little bit more relatable uh enough to kind of help missouri break through or is he just going to have to like you know line up his staff with a bunch of uh, you know, assassins on staff and just go in and, um, and, and, and really kill it on the trail. This is always one of those things that I have a difficulty in discussing because we just, I, recruiting is such a weird animal, man, in college football. Like as much as we want to say that the, there are certain coaches that are great recruiters and there are, there are certain coaches that will absolutely maximize whatever you can do as a program when it comes to recruiting. Mizzou's never going to recruit at a top 15 level. I'm, I'm sorry, Mizzou fans. I love you. I respect you. I want Mizzou to be a better recruiting school. It's just not going to happen. This has been proven time and time and time again. There's a ceiling on programs. And for Mizzou, given the location, given what this program is, the ceiling is very likely a top 20-ish class. Mizzou's probably going to live most years, regardless, as long as you have competent coaches, somewhere between 25 and 40. That's pretty much where they're going to live when it comes to the recruiting classes. And so as long as he has a staff that can get him there consistently, I think he's fine. What does matter, though, at Mizzou in a huge way is development of the players. And so that's something that Gary Pinkle was really good at, was having coaches within his staff that are really good developers of talent. I think Barry was actually better at the identification of talent, I think he was a really good scout. I think his staff had some really good scouts on it. I don't think they were very good at developing that talent. And so for me, I would actually side with that. If you have to make a decision between having guys that are better recruiters, but maybe not as good on the development side, or having guys that are really good with the development, but are just okay recruiters, I would side with the development personally. I know that's not a sexy way to go, but you just got your splash hour with the head coach. Now it's about actually having some substance here. <laughs> and getting these guys to develop as they continue here at Mizzou. So, I mean, recruiting is, is a couple of diff- is a term that goes a couple of different ways. Obviously it's breeding in the stars, right? Your three high, three, four stars, five stars. It's bringing in the, the highest, uh, highest rated kids in state. It's nabbing one from the big boys here and there. Like that's obviously part of recruiting. The other part is the one that is the part that you nailed that the Odom staff nailed going, dude, this kid's a beast. And getting him, I mean, you look at our roster uh, for this past year: Tyler Beatty, two-star out of Tennessee; Larry Roundtree, three-star out of Raleigh, North Carolina; you know, Jonathan Johnson, a three-star out of Memphis. 
You know, Yasir Duran was a three-star out of Philadelphia. Wasn't Alberto a three-star out of Illinois? They just found these guys. He's a three-star out of Illinois. Yeah. I mean, he was looked at as, like, possibly a a bigger receiver or, you know, a smaller tight end. And just, like, yeah. Like, they did an excellent job of finding kids who were better than what their national profile said. It was the development. So, for me, you know, when I say, like, get some ace recruiters, get those kind of guys. Because you're not going to win, you know, four-star battles against Ohio State. You're not going to win five-star battles against Alabama. You're just not. But, you know, going into freaking Arizona and plucking out a three-star guard, you know, going into Arkansas and pulling out a couple of running backs or a quarterback like we did with Demario Crockett, um, or even Akio Byers, right? You know, the, our, our defensive end, defensive tackle out of Fayetteville, right under their noses. You know, Isaiah McGuire out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Jamal Brooks out of Bessemer, Alabama, Adam Sparks out of Geismer, Louisiana, even, you know, gosh, you know, you go back to Jarvis Ware and Tyreek Gillespie out of Florida, two stars. You see those guys, and you go, mm, I don't know why anyone else is going after him. We are. Get that kind of recruiter, and then get – Coach Drink needs to find his doctor, uh, his, 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 yeah. his, his uh, strength coach, okay? We got to find the guy who's with them day in and day out and making them better. And so you give me a recruiter who can identify talent out of high school accurately and then a, a weight staff who can develop them into something good um, – yeah, I'm good with that kind of recruiting. It's not, yeah, like you said, it's not sexy, but it's effective, and that's how you win. Yeah, it's it's more about the scouting from that perspective than it is the recruiting necessarily. Like the guys that Mizzou is scouting that you're talking about, the recruiting is just you got you got to lock them in, right? Because a lot of the programs that you're going up against are the Wake Forests of the world, the Central Illinois, like programs that, as long as you have competent recruiters. You're a better university. You're a better school. You're given the opportunity to go to the SEC. More often than not, they're going to accept that opportunity. So it's about finding those guys, and that's the really hard part. It's the hardest part of recruiting at a school like Mizzou, but that's where that scouting comes in. And then Nate's absolutely correct. The number one thing that you heard whenever Barry Odom got fired was this was a decision that was ultimately going to come because Pat Ivey got fired. And I don't think that was a Barry Odom decision, but – that was a one thing that was consistently an issue or consistently discussed behind the scenes at Mizzou in the Barry Odom tenure was Pat Ivey was just really missed in this program. And they've got to find whoever that next guy is. doesn't have to be Pat Ivey, but he's got to be good. And that's going to be a, a huge piece of whether or not he ultimately has success here. A pop quiz real quick, <laughs> real quick. I'll give you – so so the number – the state with the most players on the Missouri roster right now is Missouri. The state with the second most amount of players on the roster is Texas. Can you all guess the third? Um, uh, say Illinois. Okay. Let's say you, BK. I think it's Tennessee. Final answer? I think he's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee, I, I feel like that was... as of the 2019 roster, had three guys on it. Oh, really? It's Georgia with okay. eight. Okay, that was my second choice. Yeah, that makes sense. Atlanta. Yeah. And then Arkansas, Illinois, and Louisiana, and Michigan are tied for fourth at five players apiece. We got five players out of Michigan? Hell yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's that's the uh, Afadale connection. He had a lot of connections yes. up in Detroit. Yeah. Does that in- Wasn't uh, Jordan Ulmer from there? Does that include Ulmer? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am included. Sorry, <laughs> is he still part of the program, or did he enter the portal? He is not. Yes, thank you for reminding me. He is not. Fine. Amend, Fine. amend the numbers. <laughs> Look, I'm not the numbers guy, Sam. That's um. <laughs> no, that's you. That's Sam. <laughs> Crap. Uh. Uh. Okay. Any other pop quizzes for us? I'm done. Okay. Uh. So, any final thoughts, BK, as as we uh, try to wrap this up? Yeah, so I, I actually do. Um, early, what was it? I guess three days ago, we were talking about names such as Jeff um, Jeff Monken. We were talking about Blake Anderson. We were talking about the other Norvell, Jay Norvell. We were talking about Skip Holtz. And at the end of the day, Mizzou hired a guy that I think a lot of Mizzou fans are happy about. They hired a guy in Eli Drinkwitz who is 
an inspired hire. He has an offensive background. He is young. He appears to be innovative. I saw a couple of plays. I was just kind of doing some research earlier today on him, and I just saw a few of the plays that they ran this year at Appalachian State. Not going to pretend like I was watching a ton of App State football this year, but he appears to be pretty innovative. He appears to be a guy that's going to be willing to take some chances. Um, I posted a video on Twitter of him in the locker room after a win one game, and he's just dancing with his team. Um, there was an interview after the North Carolina game where on the sidelines, he's talking to the sideline reporter afterwards. And he says, we expected to win this football game because we are a good program. Like he, he has confidence. He has swagger. He has a good offensive background. He's been around a lot of really good coaches. I like the hire because of all of those reasons. And I like the hire because it is a little bit risky. And I think at a program like Mizzou, in order to reach the ceiling that Mizzou fans want them to reach, you kind of have to take an inherent risk. So I'm behind the pro I'm behind the hire. I'm glad that we ultimately got here given where we were 72 hours ago. And that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at. I, um, I have a couple of truths in, in football. I think number one truth that I have is that if you want to play offensive line or defensive line, I really want you to have a wrestling background. That's always my number one. Uh, with coaches, I always want them to have um, head coaching experience at the high school level, specifically calling plays. Because in high school, you don't, well, <laughs> quote unquote, you don't recruit. Um, you kind of do. But for the most <laughs> part, your roster, depending on where you are. Right. Your roster, in theory, are the kids that grew up you know, within two miles of your high school. So you learn to do more with less, especially in small towns like Alma, uh, Arkansas, Springdale High School in Arkansas, um, which is where he was at. So I like that aspect of him. He's got uh, some the Gus Malzahn experience, both at Auburn and Arkansas State. He's got the Brian Harson uh, management, program development. He's seen that firsthand. Uh, he got whatever Dave Doran has. I don't even know what that is, but he's got it. Um, and he's and he's got a conference championship. Dave Doran is consistent. I don't. I don't know if he's good or not, but he is consistently right there. He he, he is always working. Yes. Um, so he's got he's got a, some pretty good experience. Um, he's innovative with his offenses. He has shown that he can take a good program and continue to make it good. A lot of good things uh, in his in his in his corner. I like the hire. I want all of us to collectively pump the brakes, and I want you to expect, be comfortable, rub your nose in it with four wins next year. Oh, okay? Our, our starting, our best defensive lineman is gone. Our best tight end, if you want to call him that, is gone. Our, our Supposedly, our best offensive lineman is gone. We've got a bunch of seniors who are gone. We have a young wide receiver core who's going to be the oldest unit uh, on offense now. We've got a brand-new quarterback. We're breaking in new linebackers. A good chunk of our secondary is going to be gone, and he's got to salvage this recruiting class in six days. And I'll go more into this this week about recruiting specifically, uh, as, as well as performance dips or bumps. Well, who knows, reader? You'll have to find out um, when new coaches take over, especially in the past two years when they had the early signing day period. I just want us all to have the excitement of this, relish it. I want you all to buy tickets, season tickets, single t- game tickets. I don't care. Buy tickets, throw money at this program. Bagmen, all you millionaires, spend more on our recruits. Let's cheat a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but let's just be okay with four wins this year as he comes in, establishes himself, figures out the SEC, figures out what he has, and builds this program and builds this culture because good things do not come quick. And I think he is going to be a good thing. I think we got him low, which is great. I think he's only going to get better. But we need to be okay with the lumps. And I've already seen some fire drink with hashtags out there, and I know you all are funny. But let's keep him in our pocket all right, until hold 2020. On. <laughs> hold I think on. it's going to be great. I got I, I to gotta knock some sense into you over here, Nate. I'm not going to let you talk about four wins out here. Next year, I'm looking at the schedule right now. You think they're going to beat Central Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Uh, Central Arkansas is a playoff FCS team. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) You think they're going to beat Central Arkansas. Let's be honest here. They're beating Vandy. That's at home. Come on, man. Eastern Michigan. I know Eastern Michigan is on the come up. They're not losing to Eastern Michigan next season. 
Louisiana. You just told me that he owned Louisiana last year. They're going to beat Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. At Appalachian State. All right, yeah, it's okay. at home. They're not losing to Louisiana. And then they finished out the... Drinkwitz is undefeated uh, against South Carolina, so See, that's a that's win. See, that's what I'm saying. Oh, and then you finish <laughs> out the year against Arkansas. Listen, I'm not saying it's going to be a good year. I, I fully am aware that it could... It, it very likely will be a down season. It will hopefully be the worst season that Drinkwitz has here at Mizzou. There's no question about that. But I do think the expectation should be going into next year, or the hope should be, the goal should be get to a bowl game. I think that's a realistic goal, hope for Elijah or Elijah Drinkwitz in his first year at Mizzou. And so I think that as a Mizzou fan, that's what you should be hopeful for. But as Nate said, expect the worst because – if you expect four wins and you get six, you'd be pretty damn happy at the end of the year. Well, so what holes does he, you know, have to fill here? Um, oh, I mean that. <laughs> so the the offensive line is was a serious I mean, yeah, problem. All of them. Uh, skill positions. I mean, he's he's got to do a lot of work. Um, I think we're going to see transfers too, and that's something that we haven't really talked about. But yeah, there will be names that go into the transfer portal yeah. that Mizzou fans are not expecting. And when that, ha- I'm not reporting anything or anything like that. But there's been plenty of scuttlebutts to say. And whenever you've got a coaching change like this, it happens. Be prepared for guys that you didn't think that would transfer that ultimately decide to. And so there, there's just a lot of attrition that's going to take place. Andy's got to deal with the recruiting restrictions, which we'll see what ultimately comes of that. But there, he's he's got a lot that he's going up against right now. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say five transfers and probably a few more decommits after this weekend. Yeah, and I, I'm you know, we'll curious see to see what there. the terms of the deal are. I, like, I would I would think in order to, any coach, uh, even in a, a, a situation like Drinkwitz, where I think he's probably trying to capitalize on this season as much as he can. Um, and kind of get that job uh, would still kind of want some guarantee rider for like a fourth year um, mainly because of of the bumps that he's going to have to deal with kind of in the spring uh, and dealing with the recruiting restrictions dealing with um, a, a probably a pretty disappointing recruiting class uh, but I, I think I think the next couple weeks are really going to be interesting oh, to kind of see how he hits the ground running what he does as far as bringing in uh, a coaching staff, uh, who he gets into place, and, and sort of what the expectations for the program are going to be set as far as what kind of recruits they're going to go after and you know, in, in like the next month, month and a half. Yeah, if his, if, I'm sure his agent is going to do a masterful job at this, but you need to make sure your year three and year four buyout is astronomical because <laughs> that's when this – it's it's not going to be a good recruiting class, and that's when that class is going to be juniors, you know, possibly getting into seniors. Um, and with the restrictions that we already have, he's going to be l- working with a limited roster. Um, so he, if he plays this smart, you know, it's going to be really impossible, almost almost impossible to get rid of him in those years uh, because you can expect a dip. So I mean, like I said, we we can embrace bowl eligibility. I want six wins. I want seven wins. I'm just. I'm just bracing myself because I'm a Missouri fan and I know better than to feel good about it. <laughs> well, so uh, that's all I got. Unless you guys have any final thoughts before we uh, we dip on out. Over I'm so glad Barry's it's salary. over. Over what under on what? Over under Barry's salary. So 1.3. Um, well, like the total compensation. What was it? Oh. Like 3.5? I think, I, I th- yeah, I think it was like three and a quarter. Um. um under? I think it might come under. I'm, I mean, I know they wanted to pay Blake Anderson cheaper than than Barry, <laughs> so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. Um, I'm gonna say over. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I I I've. I think they they're. I think, and this is pure speculation at this point. I don't really have any information, but I really kind of feel like the the selling point for any kind of coach taking in the job, especially one that we weren't really expecting to be interested in, in the job is to show more of an investment into the program. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that starts with compensation. If, if you, if you're going to now, and again, like, like, you know, Barry was a cheap coach when they hired him. Uh, he, he won some games. They gave him more money. Uh, but I, it wouldn't surprise me to see if they went to like three and a half, uh, to start out with, I, I just think like the SEC salaries right now are ridiculous, and the, it almost feels like a starting point. 
Yozel got his has a one point seven million buyout. So Ooh. I don't know. All right, that's a little more than I was expecting. I guess that's just because he probably makes what uh, all, close to a million dollars, uh, three a year. quarters of a million. Yeah, right I, now, say, I thought it was seven fifty. Okay, so you're basically the the next couple of years were guaranteed. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, he is at BK Sports Talk on Twitter. He is at Nate G. Edwards on Twitter. I am Sam T. Snelling on Twitter. Follow everybody. Uh, follow at Rockham Nation as well. Uh, all the latest updates, all of Nate's forthcoming uh, downer editorials on how downer. everything's going to be crappy for the next few years. Uh, Eat your vegetables, <laughs> Sam. Eat your vegetables. Uh, we're on this high. We're going to ride the high. Uh, Coach Drink is 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 going to gonna fix the ship. So... Um, Can we be really excited about the fact that his name, his last name, starts with drink? Like I, that, I, that's pretty tremendous. There's like, going to be a lot of a lot of great opportunities over the next couple of years as a result of that. I I, I can already see the drink specials uh, at at <laughs> name your bar in Columbia. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. So it'll get really old really fast, but the first like month or so, it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be. I'm sure there's gonna be a, a lot of uh, you know drunk fraternity bros. Like dipping back the uh, the Drinkwitz bombs or whatever they're going to be called. So uh, we're out of here. Uh, that's it. So th- there will be a Dive Cuts podcast this week. Uh, Nate, I'm assuming you're probably going to go again on Thursday uh, with with more information or at least some point this week. We'll have more podcasts coming. I don't know when. I don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, we're all just going to figure it out. <laughs> Sam Snelling, I have no idea what's going on. 2019. <laughs> that, that that is that has been my my motto for for uh, quite a quite a long time. Um, I think ever since Bill said, "Hey, I'm leaving Rockham Nation," I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, all right, so we're we're done. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back soon with more Rockham Nation podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.